All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the uh, Non-Essential Workers Podcast. I'm your co-host, Alex Rashiotis. I'm Jason Rashiotis. Baby brothers, who's not sweet. I'm saying... We can mix it up every time if you want, but uh, I'll end again this time. I'm Aiden Galligan. I'm shaking, not stirred. This is a sort of a left-wing podcast approach to media, politics, government, bullshit, current events, whatever we feel like. Uh, and you're listening to it, so it worked. Uh, Jason, why don't you take us off this week? Uh, yeah, so last night when I was sitting in bed, I did what everyone does, which is pull out their phone and immediately destroy their brains any you know having any fair chance of falling asleep to just browse the news and oh boy was i impressed with the amount of gobbledygook garbage i found so we will do what we did last time which is go through some pure headlines because that's where most americans stop and see what we think about them see what we can infer see if we can get in the get in the brain of the of the article writer and the editor and see what message they're trying to distill for us, the American populace. And I believe I will start with this one. This is from Vice. And the headline is, Cops shut down roadblock because too many drivers were drunk. Now, the reason I love this is because this is, actually isn't in America. This is from Canada. Why in the world do you think this happened? Now, that's a... Uh, that's a... How do you get to that point where you're like, okay, we tested the first six and, you know, the drunk, and we're like, okay, this is fine. But then we got to number seven. That's too many drunks. Like, what is, what is the correct number of Canadian drunks? Is, this, is, is there like, an, like, is there a platonic ideal of Canadian drunks? Like, is there a certain number that's good? Legion grenade of drunks. I feel like my brain is even struggling with the basic message of this headline which is how do you shut down a roadblock you un- unblock the road is that what they're saying i like too was confused too many cars were slamming into each other looney tune style and piling up oh i see what you're saying yeah well, I, I actually kind of just assumed that that meant like the highway is done get the fuck off like like the, it wasn't just a roadblock anymore now it's like a full-on you know barrier but i guess the way it's written probably your version makes more sense i know it's also you know a language difference and it's from Canada. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> I read a little bit ahead. And as it turns out, they were actually doing their jobs of arresting all the people but who are who blew drunk, but they ran out of tow trucks. Because they had exhausted all the trucks in the vicinity in the city because something like a dozen or so people blew and they had to take all their cars away. So what you're saying is just in the sort of stop and frisk methodology they were using of just pulling over cars and seeing if people were No, drunk. no, it's a checkpoint out. So people drive up to it and they have to blow. It's not like stop and frisk. It's not like random pullovers. Like they didn't do anything that indicates that they were drunk, right? Like they didn't they weren't swerving through traffic. They weren't like didn't have something wrong. I don't know. You go up to a driving checkpoint and that they have they know for high traffic areas and they make you blow into a yeah, I'm just saying that that's pretty fucking questionable in the first place, if you ask me, but whatever. So so let's say that they so they have this checkpoint, people show up to it and they blow into the breathalyzer just randomly. Um and they know they're going to a checkpoint ahead of time and they know they're drunk, but they go to the checkpoint? 
No, no, I don't think they know there's a checkpoint ahead. But the point is, so many people were drunk coming back that I guess we got ambushed at this checkpoint that there was like a line of traffic going all the way back. And I guess at that point, if you're drunk, you should have you should have realized like, all right, time to do a U-turn and get the fuck out of here. Right. I mean, what do you have to lose at that point? You're going to get arrested anyway. But <laughs> the reason I love this this news story is because it just it just speaks to me about what how we view the role of our police and just what we feel is socially acceptable like you know where is there like the highest per capita drunks driving currently it just it just to me is a very funny uh take on modern life this is a, this is at 2 a.m you know it reminds me of like the temperance movement where like these you know guys come home from this horrible job like getting lung cancer at the factory and they just go right to the the, the bar and then go right home to beat their wife it, it's just like it's just a sign of the times. Do you do, did you read enough or see the date or anything to know if this was like around a holiday in Canada or if this was just as you say like random Tuesday in, in this part of Canada time to crash our cars into random things and get pulled I'm, over? I'm pretty sure it was this last weekend at two a.m. Well, so so let's talk briefly about what the implicate right. So like part of this section is to figure out what the public is taking away. If I'm a random Canadian reading this, or I guess whoever, since we're Americans, um, and I read this, I go, oh, everyone's drinking and driving. Exactly. And they've overwhelmed the police. Right, like, this is like a victory for drunks. Like, they're basically saying, like, the drunks won. It's about time. Which is, I don't know that that's the message you want to send if you want to discourage drinking and driving. Yeah, the cops gave up. They impounded 14 cars in two hours. Like, Like, all right, we're done. Like, the drunks have, like, unionized. Like, if yeah. all of us drink, like, I'm Spartacus, like, you can't pull us all over. So the implication of the article seems to be that not only is drinking and driving, like, a, an epidemic, but that it's, like, a victorious epidemic. It's it's a political block. It's not the alcohol yeah. lobby. It's the drunk lobby. Yeah. And, and Big I, I drunk. Yeah, it just, it seems like this would both encourage the behavior <laughs> while also normalizing bizarre police shakedowns. It seems like it's the worst of both worlds to me. I mean, maybe if you're really optimistic, you could take it that people will take away collective action can be fun, you know? Yeah. It doesn't have to, have to be marching with picket lines and picket lines. It can also be drinking a lot together and collectively right. overwhelming the police. Right. Drunk drivers of the world unite. We have nothing to lose but our licenses. Hey, we need to start somewhere. Yeah. I just thought it was funny. That one got, got a little chuckle out of me when I was reading it last night. And I thought, say, you know, other people need to hear the good news. Spread the gospel. Alright, speaking of the signs of the times, here was an article from NBC. Parts of Lake Tahoe <laughs> closed after chipmunks test positive for bubonic plague. Jesus. We've gone biblical already. <laughs> right, first it was the, the, the wave of locust drunks, now it's the plague chipmunks. Who knows what I'll pick next. I don't even, I mean, this one, I don't even know if this is, like, super manipulative so much as just, a, like, an idiotic event to be happening to us. Like, that, like, I, I guess I would close down the lake if you might get bubonic plague. This is just, like, this is one of those things where there's, like, the whiteboard, and they're like, who had, who had plague chipmunks as their bet for 2021, you know? Like, like it was a whole, like, lottery of horrible things to happen. Remember when, uh, remember we watched Train to Busan, Alex? Yeah, and the movie starts out with like an elk that's clearly be- becoming zombified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, this feels like that. Like this is the start of a you know horror 
action thriller movie that is just 2021. Or like that game of Plague Tale, where the chipmunks are now swarming around us to, to kill us. Yeah, to me, this is just funny. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, I think the only political take you could really give is to then look at what else didn't make the news that day on NBC. Right, right. Like, the editor, the editor, like Tahoe's like struggling. He's trying to anything relevant, any shootings, uh, any bullshit. And... We can't report on coal miners striking, so uh, fuck it, chipmunks. <laughs> And then, the, yeah, yeah, the yeah. one guy in the newsroom goes, the chipmunk story. I've been sitting on this one. <laughs> you get really conspiratorial and be like, okay, there's, there's like some really dark political scandal. And you're like, release the chipmunks. <laughs> Send the, the shadow chipmunks. chipmunks. <laughs> They'll have to pay attention. It's bubonic plague. Yeah, it's like dishonored. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this is just the natural consequences for taking the, the dark route. All right. Well, speaking of plague. Oh, boy. Good. From Newsweek, Arkansas Governor Hutchinson regrets signing mask ban into law as state sees Delta surge. Now, I, what, what's your bet on how he handled either taking responsibility for this or not? There's a lot going on in this sentence. Are they saying that he previously signed a mask ban, but now wishes he hadn't? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He signed it back in April. And the mask ban isn't just saying it's not a mandate. It's actively saying you should not or, or yes, could be punished. you cannot wear masks in Arkansas. Fucking brilliant. That's, like I, I, like, I don't agree at all with the governors and stuff who are saying, like, okay, we need to do, like, individual liberty or individual conscience to wear a mask, so I'm not going to enforce a mask mandate. Because that's still asinine and bad public policy. But this is just aggressively stupid. This is like, anti-public policy. This is, right, this is actively trying to kill the public to prove, like, a political point. And that's... Like, is this, is this a crime? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, is... is, is... I, I, I would think so. I would categorize it as that. I had no idea about this. I knew about, like, DeSantis and Abbott saying yeah. that ma- mandate wearing a mask. But... No, Arkansas went full board. Yeah, because this is, this is like, don't get addicted to water, my friends. Like, this is... This is like aggressively denying basic protection of life to people who are trying to protect themselves in the state. Like, are, are there cops like beating people for trying not to get COVID because of this? Like, do they unleash like the dogs and the hoses? Like, I, I don't know. Like, why is it always Arkansas? But anyway, there's a lot troubling just in the fact that this even existed in the first place. Oh, wait, I might hang on. I might be wrong. Regret signing bonds a law that bans state and local government authorities from implementing mask mandates. So they, okay, never mind. I wasn't, not that you can't, right, maybe we didn't oopsie, but you can't. Oh, yeah, we're, we're not supposed to know that. Can't do mask, whatever. I don't want to give this guy too much. I mean, his name's Asa, but. Which is no, but the whole, the whole point is we don't know. We're, we're reading just from headlines alone. Yeah, but, but I don't want to be unfair if I know the, tr- know the truth. But this is the headline, though. Yeah, right. This is the headline. What do we take from the it's a headline? reasonable interpretation? Well, to answer your question before, uh, how he responded, uh, or took you know uh, took culpability, I, I my best guess is that he blamed some nearby blue state for spreading it or something. No, that's a different headline I have for. It. <laughs> okay, all right. I, I mean, what do you think, Alex? How do you think he responded to this? My suspicion is that he basically said uh, Joe Biden failed to 
stop the coronavirus because he's a Democrat. And therefore, this new variant came about because of Joe Biden. And as a consequence, now we're forced to go back on our previously patriotic policy because of how badly handled this was. That's my guess. Reasonable, but, you know, I want to give Hutchinson even a little bit more credit than that. Yeah, this guy seems like you really got to give him all all the credit. He doesn't blame any other individual in particular. But here's how he described how this worked. He goes... I know, you know, I know I shouldn't have signed it into law, but at this point, it's out of my hands. So there's only two ways to deal with this. Either it goes to our state Supreme Court, which he thinks would be bad, or the legislature rewrites the law. He can't do anything about it. It's like that time Obama was giving like a speech on immigration, and the guy behind him is like, just fucking legalize this all. He's like, well, you know, the thing is, I decided to do executive powers when I want to. He's like, I know I'm the governor of the entire state, but I can't do it. I, but I can't undo it. That's now to you guys. So I guess he's trying to just be a procedural doctrinaire follower of, yeah. of institutions, which is very important right now. As we're all yeah, dying. he's like, you know what's most important right now? Jurisprudence. Yeah, yeah. he's trying, trying to dilute his own responsibility with with bureaucracy, which is yeah. yeah. Nothing instills more confidence in democracy than watching it fail. Yeah, I mean, it's just like we were talking about last time, where the um, the the uh, eviction ban like fell out, like expired, and then each chamber of the house, the house and the Senate and like the president were like, hey, "This was your guy's job to fix this, yeah. not mine." Yeah, I can't possibly be held responsible for this. Did yeah, you that's know a- that five Supreme Court justices, almost all of them Republicans, said that it would be unconstitutional to do the moratorium. What a surprise! I really enjoyed how. Like after the initial uh, back and forth of pointing at, at different chambers and then at, at the different branches of the government, like someone had a light bulb and they're like, wait, I think we could also blame the CDC for this as well. Let's yeah. just keep kicking that can around. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, two days later, actually, I guess I can do something Biden realizes. All right. Speaking of taking credit and dissuading uh, blame for things, here's a story from CNN. CNN, more than $170,000 raised in 24 hours for mother and three kids facing eviction. Now, at first glance, you might think, oh, this sounds so positive and heartwarming. No, I And then it sets in. Why do you think I picked this? I I would assume because it's one of the infinite stories that the press loves to put forward to... Uh, distract from systemic problems by offering individual solutions that are actually depressing if you look at them with any kind of objectivity. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the orphan crushing machine joke. Like this, this is the whole premise of thing that is horrible that should not exist is momentarily averted for a single instance by the the heartwarming charity of the American people. But it's I, not it, merely averted because okay. this woman and her kids were behind. on rent. Only $2,000. And the day before this article, CNN wrote an article about her case. So exactly one day later, CNN writes a headline saying, look what good job we did. We brought eyes to this story. We take credit for the $170,000 being donated. I will will say on the face of it, it's still a 
a less depressing headline than you normally see about this kind of stuff. Like you normally see like four year old works entire year using every free hour they have to scrape together enough cash to pay off their, their classmates lunch debt. This is, yeah, this is probably just like a bunch of internet liberals donated a bunch of money to help these people. Right. But, but there's not an article, there's not an article that says like for every exactly. one of these, there's 10,000 people who just get evicted. Like th this is not the, this is not the story. This is the exception. They're literally writing the exception instead of the rule when they have the choice to write either because the exception glorifies capital and charity and America. Exactly. And the rule yeah, would be horrific. Not depressing. only is it the exception, it's a totally gross and disgusting overcompensation for what the family was actually going through. There are, you know, as you say, there are 100,000 other people. Or let's, you know what, let's actually divide it up evenly. Uh, 170 divided by two. 85. $85,000. There, there could have been 85 other families who all had $2,000 rent back pay that could have been compensated for this. But no, we've random, we have ordained one random chick who we feel particularly bad for and her kids, who I'm not saying they don't aren't deserving of a quality life. Obviously, that's what we would advocate for. But they get randomly overpaid for no reason other than someone with a camera and, you know, a, a news source put them on the front page. And now they are disgustingly overcompensated and, like, in shock and withdrawal dealing with this. And now it totally changes their life. It totally changes. They might have to move. Like, it totally throws their life in another whole direction. And everyone else who's suffering from the exact same thing because millions of people may get evicted. Just go, I guess I wasn't the lucky one who had got a news station in front of my house. I mean, we, we are so many injustices deep in this headline that it's kind of, it's hard to even count them all. Like, first we have the fact that a moratorium is not actually a cancellation. It's just a temporary pause. So all of these people who are getting this moratorium are eventually going to have right. to pay the entire amount that they would have had to pay. So the moratorium is a disgustingly right-wing take on what should have been uh, rent forgiveness, which is to say, if people can't work, they can't make the money they need to pay rent. So it should have been Biden fights to make sure we have rent forgiveness. Then you have the fact that the, the moratorium is being ended, which is just a slap in the face on top of it, never even being very good in the first place. Then you have the fact that it's now being given out in a lottery system by who has media attention, as opposed to you know, even a mildly egalitarian form of this already pathetically inadequate charity. Then you even have the foundational premise of why are rent-seeking parasites controlling real estate determining whether we live or die? Like, the entire premise of landlordship is unethical. But we can't even, we're like so many steps deep in this chain of events that we can't even negotiate any of the really significant questions because we're desperately fighting over like whether we get like three scraps of crud or or two like we we're, we're so defeated that the argument we end up having is like how much of this already incredibly right-wing charity do we get to um barely subsist on or not it's it, this is it's depressing for so many reasons i love the idea that we can't, you know, we can't have entitlements. We can't have benefits that affect everyone. So we just have, as as Aiden said, random internet liberals spending their disposable income on random families at a time. It's it's it to me. It's like a fundamental breakdown of what the role of government's supposed to be: house, protect, keep alive its citizens. 
and now it's just in the hands of like the internet mob even if that mob is trying to do something good like they all knew that the gofundme was for two thousand dollars they all knew they could have gone to another gofundme they all knew there were a billion other things they could have done with their money but they just decided to shower this one woman with as you say essentially a lottery for being poor and 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 disenfranchised and it's, it's just such a crazy like convulsion of our economic system that we just have these weird like sun you know like when the sun shoots out like a big molten beam of like what do they call those sun solar flares this is like a this is like a capitalism solar flare where there's like a random shot out to just you know make one person's life manageable while everyone else is still suffering burning up it's 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 just i mean you know more than half of gofundmes are for medical bills right like we we, we are at a point where we are using privatization of charity and individual conscience to cover impossible to cover gaps in the basic like welfare state apparatus of the country and we should not be celebrating putting band-aids on gangrenous wounds like these these are not solutions or just giving one in a thousand people like the 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 vaccine for you know to live forever now it's like this it's just pure lottery just this one woman now obviously her story is particularly sad but just you get right. to live everyone else gets to die right but it's just this is not a solution this this is this is not a her, I mean. distraction at best from the fact the fact that all of these people are facing eviction and we do not have a we do not have a solution um and so the story should really just be uh pray that you are struck by a lightning like this woman essentially and have your problem Basically, solved because go government viral. are doing it get good just go viral just get just just get yeah. successful just even if you don't you know get money by working hard just get a news camera in front of your face and, and that counts as working hard and getting the support of thousands of people yeah one of the one of the most saddening things that i frequently see on twitter is people asking or or begging you know influencers and famous people on that website to retweet dire things that they need to keep living or remain above the poverty line please sir just a retweet sir yeah it's exactly like that and just a crumb of a follow back yeah it's 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 gr grim shit it's not even clout though like we're not talking about people who are like please no, it's retweet like retweet my, my ass no, so no. I can compete. it's like yeah please retweet my my lack of insulin right like it's 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 insane it's stuff that was arbitrarily made unaccessible to people to coerce us even more into this insane lotteryism and desperation porn to try to get people to pay attention to us so that we get the charity we need to fix a problem that isn't fixable this way so it's it, every it's part of this is wrong. on top of desperation. Uh, Love it. Yeah, it's this is this is watching this is watching the plane crash in real time. Right, exactly. And Pick going, one like, random someone jumped out. Who's, who's parachuting? Someone survived. Yeah, this person <laughs> slid down a ramp of corpses of their fellows, and they they what a hero. Look at look at this guy. He's a you hero. Won't believe this inspiring story. Yeah, and then like right next to it is like 291 killed, and it's like, it's like I, 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 I don't know. I, it, it, it's not good. All right. Speaking of people responsible for yeah. making insulin prices go up and giving everyone healthcare bills they can't afford, The Guardian, in tears before I even logged in, Cigna call center workers challenge working conditions. Cigna, of course, one of the largest uh, healthcare providers on the planet. Well, 
I assume that this is working class people recognizing <laughs> the the horror of begging corporations to provide them with benefits that they think that they are guaranteed when they are uh, denied at every corner to try to save profits and, and force you to give up on the things that you've paid for when it comes to health insurance. Am I right? Well, hold on, because once again, this is one of these articles where it, it centers the wrong thing. Yes, it sucks to be in a call center and have people on the phone abusing you. You know, if, if, you're, if you're a service worker, you probably have it fucking bad in this country, let alone. You know. well, I, I don't think that's not even what I was think, thinking it was about, but go ahead. See, I, I read this as look at how upset these Cigna call workers are in these bad working conditions because people are calling up and, and screaming at them and crying at them because of how bad their stories are. And they're, they're just like they, they're getting either abused or begged or, or getting the kind of. Uh, the full nine yards all the time because of how desperate the, the medical situation is right now. But the article centers the Cigna call center workers as the victims. And now I will admittedly say it's rare that any workers get centered. Uh, and I, I guess that's not the worst it could have been. It could have been like, look at how bad it is to be a uh, Cigna CEO right now. Like, sure, it could be even worse. Yeah, but Alex, do you think they're go they're going to say you know, the Guardian. We shouldn't have private health insurance anymore. That's not going to be the headline. Well, yes, because they're the Guardian's a British newspaper. They have a strong public health insurance. Like yeah, they're covering American. Anyway, the right. I, I guess what I'm saying is, and they're the, on the verge of tearing down their own NHS. The people in the, the the people in the greatest danger and grief and loss and suffering are the people who do not have their medical things. Covered. No, Alex. It's not the people the who have to hear about it. It's just like again, I would I'd rather hear about them than than the CEO. But if someone's like, "Hey, I'm gonna die in two weeks because I can't get a liver transplant," and they call up Cigna and they're like, "Is there anything you can do?" and Cigna's like, "That would that's beyond our price range," and then they get yelled at because this person knows they're on death's door because of an incredibly preventable thing. It's like, yeah, they should be screamed at. I mean, not them specifically. Like the company should be torn down. But the 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 fact that someone is screaming at them should be 100% expected and normal given how awful the institution is. It's like saying, you know, torturer at Guantanamo Bay suffers emotional breakdown from the reactions of the tortured. Like, what? Yeah, you That's know what? Like, what? What do you, like, I, I, maybe for fuck's sake, like, this is a criminal enterprise. The fact that healthcare is not treated as a human right should be a criminal reality. Like, we're still writing about it as though the person who is victimized is the person working for the to system that the is article, killing people. It also people. mentions the people being given the runaround by. The, it also mentions the customers. But this is about this is this is a labor article about literally the workers of Cigna coming together to write petitions to try and get essentially you know Amazon quality piss in a bottle shit removed. Oh, good. So there's so there's there's yeah. also so, so, horrific so abuse of them the, from the, the top down. It's not just, you're monitored by, how, by a huge amount of metrics. So your calls have to only be five to ten minutes long. You have to resolve it by then. Uh, we monitor every action you do. There's an app on your phone that monitors what you do. Uh, right. Uh, oh, by the way, all the profits they made yeah, this year, right. instead of doing anything with that money, they're just doing stock buybacks next year or the next four years. So it's funny. It's some good stuff. Cigna, as evil as we all thought they were. I just want to point out, healthcare as a human right is like a centrist position in most of the industrialized world. Like, if you're a conservative party in most of Europe, healthcare is a human right. 
and they'd be idiots to try to fight that in their political platform. Whereas in one of the only countries where it's not, even papers from countries where it is treated as a human right aren't mentioning that. Like, it's it's one of these things that's become like American exceptionalism with no rationale at I, all. I think right off that point, the brilliance and oxymoronicness of American conservatism is that it's in their self-interest to keep older voters alive, and they refuse to do it. Like, the rest of the world, conservative world knows. Like, yeah, healthcare is important because old people vote the way we do, mostly. And we need to keep our voting block alive. And America's like, no, nah, fuck them, let them die. We'll care. We'll, we'll, we'll make it up somehow, somewhere. We'll just blame, we'll just steal every election instead of trying to keep our citizens alive. We'll expand, we'll expand the definition of whiteness to include <laughs> 51% of the population again to make sure that we've made up for the dying old people. It's just, it's funny because you're exactly right. The rest of the world understands, like, look, fucking uh, Rousseau and John Locke and who's the guy with the Leviathan? I always forget, Hobbes. Thomas Hobbes, who was a psycho, knew that the fundamental job of the government is to keep you alive. And America's like, nope, uh-uh. It's no, show me that in the Constitution. Oh, life and liberty and pursuit of happiness? Fuck that shit. Yeah. <laughs> there's no, there's no timeline on life. Big dick life. God, I, this article's so yeah. great. All right. Where to go next? I, there's two, there's a, there's a fork I can go here. Uh, I'm going to go with this one. And it's also especially rich considering the source. All right. MSNBC. America <laughs> I can barely even get through it. America's two major political parties are simply too big. Too big. Oh, boy. I, exactly. I no One, it's inscrutable. But two, it's like, you know, we can actually start to break this down. And oh, boy, does this fall apart like the town in Blazing Saddles. So... I'm going to assume, with what, what limited sort of poli-sci language they're using, that they're saying their tent is too big, like that they're including too many radicals on the fringes yeah, yeah. who are dragging them away from their enlightened centrism towards some sort of illiberal options like universal health care uh, or having full voting rights or uh, white genocide depending on which side of this you're on you know like it, it's that same horseshoe shit about like populism and like trumpism is somehow the same as sandersism and that if, if only we could return to everyone being one huge centrist right-wing party we would be good again well yeah because we, we can certainly eliminate some things like they're definitely not advocating for the formation of a, of a third party and certainly even beyond that not a progressive one obviously um, and I can't imagine that MSNBC is saying that we need a more conservative party. I guess maybe they could be saying that we need like a a bipartisan no, coalition even that dumber. solidifies into, into a third party. But wow, because that's three I parties out is right out. That, so go ahead. What's the ideal number of parties? Four. <laughs> they say <laughs> that they say what? take the Republican Party, for example. Both parties should split in half, and John Kasich should be the leader of the moderate Republicans, and Donald Trump should be in charge of the barbarian Republicans. And that if each party had a actual segmented moderate and psycho, you know, polar 
wing, somehow this would increase government efficacy. Yeah. <laughs> but they're just like asserting this. Like they understand the concept of first past the post electoral systems, right? Like that's not how this they works. They don't mention changing our constitution to change how like, things Right. Do they mention the idea of ranked choice voting? No. Do they mention the idea of a parliamentary distribution no. in Congress? Like, do they mention any of the blatant obstacles to how this would be done? No, no condorcet shit, no good stuff. So, right. So it's just straight up like in our perfect world, we would all be enlightened centrists and we'd be fighting the barbarians at the gates known as Trumpers and you know, yeah. Here's what they don't like. They don't like that that Pelosi and Bernie Sanders are in the same party. They don't like that John Kasich and, yeah, and I don't like Donald either. Trump are in the same party. They, they want to divide even more because our, what's our biggest problem? We're actually too unified. So this is just more of that. Yeah, this, this just sounds like another person who wants to go back to the, the polite old times, but admits that you can't just you know, vaporize people off the face of the earth. So you need to push the radicals of each party to some some edge. And their their genius solution is to just give them give yeah. them full party structure. Well, this is this is a this is a kind of a hilariously subtle way of saying, what if we simply liquidated yeah. the radicals? Like this this is a really just a polite way of saying kick them completely out of any sort of political power. Because I guarantee you that the centrist right-wing coalition of Kasich to Pelosi corporatists would retain all meaningful power. They would immediately immediately make it so there's no way for the other people to have any touch of power. Like, Oh, by the way, who do you think wrote this article? Uh, You know that famous case of the guy who survived like getting a a railroad tie through his skull? (laughs) That's my guess. (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, you could could be a famous leftist. Associating with this. Yeah, that, that guy was working, you know, this, in the industrial workers of the world. This is not some obscure, like, 20-something, you know, who's in the Gulag Center at MSNBC. This is written by Chuck Todd. <laughs> yeah, that, that tries. This is the kind of, like, smooth-brained non-solution that also advocates for purging the left that I would expect from MSNBC. God, but the, the, my, my favorite part is that even on its face, if you didn't read the article, just the title, it's intrinsically wrong the parties in america today represent fewer and fewer people than they ever have the political you know people who actually believe in the republican party is like 30 percent of the country people who actually are democrats are about 30 percent of the country and the rest the, the plurality of people do not feel any of the political parties align with them so the idea that the parties are too big i mean sure from a powers perspective maybe but from a camp perspective no right because the, the democrats have become a pure corporatist party right. And the Republicans have become a fascist. The majority party. of people, where, exactly, where do who workers, are workers and just normal people, don't fit into either of those. So the idea that these parties are too big, no, they're they're both tiny. They're both tiny, non-representative body machines that operate the country. Right, because because we, right, we have a very conservative, conservative party, party and an extreme conservative party. We don't have a working person's party. So the idea that the parties are too big, it's like no, the parties are too like obscuritan and eccentric and far right like they they have no real relationship to the vast majority of people's needs or wants or political aspirations saying they're too big is i guess true if you're saying like too powerful but their tents are actually not that big at all the only thing they don't like is that they've got people like Kasich and trump in the same party because trump says the things Kasich wants in a way that's my vulgar. favorite assertion from and they, and they don't like that. is that if you officially divided the republican party they'd stop getting along They'd stop coalition building and saying, fuck it, let's just, let like, 
just because you put like a, like a do not cross this line in this house, suddenly they're not going to do it. It's crazy. It's absolutely, oh, so if Bernie's not in the Democratic Party, he'll stop voting with the thing that he feels is the most ethical thing on the table. Like, Which, by the way, he's not. I know. He's an independent. Just, he's been an independent. Like, he's not even in the party. Like, these people get angry at Bernie because he's not in the party. But then when they want to say that the party's become captured by the left, then they say he's in the party. Like, this isn't even factually correct. Like, they, they basically are asserting that there's like a left wing, uh, a far left and a far right hijacking of the American political system. <laughs> Joe okay. Biden is president. Like, they could not have gotten a more right-wing Democrat as president. How on earth, I mean, you're saying these articles from the last few days, how on earth are they still looking at this Austin going Alley. like there's this insurgent left-wing that's, like, devouring the party? We, we were totally crushed. We were routed. According to Chuck Todd, Hillary's the center-left. <laughs> Radical it. Marxist. It's so good. I, I don't even... It's so good. She really thinks that anymore. <laughs> Like, I, I don't even think she is the only that, human on the planet who believes that. Yeah, like she she would barely call herself a centrist at this point. Like she was on speeches like I'm a representative of Wall Street. Like she was not saying she was center left. All right. Speaking of divisiveness, another guardian. The latest terrible pandemic. Oh shit! I fucked it up. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it! This is a false flag. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wait, guys, again. Hey, I, I can edit it. You got to, you got to read so people know why we're laughing. Though. I know. You, you, you have to All own right, it. The now. Guardian. The latest terrible pandemic trend: vaccine hypocrites. Now, the reason I lost it is because in my document I wrote "secret good article" because I was trying to quiz them if they could figure out which is the article I liked. And they just copy pasted the whole thing over. And... <laughs> oh my god, I'm a dumbass. It was it was it was outstanding move. Um, so yeah. let's figure. Let's yeah. now the question is why, right? Um, I'm a, so let's figure out what this is even talking about because I'm not 100 percent yet. Is a vaccine hypocrite someone who promotes vaccines but is not vaccinated, or someone who got vaccinated? You're, but you're did not promote a, vaccines. It's from the Guardian again. I mean, because the obvious cases we're familiar with yeah. is like all the Fox News pundits who have been vaccinated, who have all been months, vaccinated, but still spout vaccine agitprop. Huh? Where's your money? It's a Guardian article, right? So I'm, I'm assuming, I'm assuming that it's criticizing. Yeah. Anti-vax seems which makes reasonable. which makes me think that it's the Republicans still, I guess, correct from an ethical perspective that that is a monstrous thing to do is to mislead the public and allow them to become horrifically ill and or killed while you evade that by taking the security measures you claimed were bad. So yeah, I mean, I I, I don't I don't find any fault with that being evil. I guess if that's the argument. Yeah, it's it's kind of a weird thing though to call it a terrible pandemic trend. Because, like, they've already spouted the horrible rhetoric. So I guess the fact that they're vaccinated is, is good. You know? So here's the kicker. Unless you want them to die, I guess. Only in recent months mm -hmm. have a lot of these right-wing propagandists been started to be asked if they've been vaccinated. So uh -huh. I, th I think the author's saying that's the trend. That's a violation of my HIPAA rights. Is, that's literally what Marjorie Taylor Greene said. That's and and, they, and she, the author mentions in this article. So the article begins in a hilarious way 
it's talking about people in like Missouri who are putting on disguises to go get their vaccine <laughs> because they don't want their anti-vax friends, family, and neighbors to know they went and that's got not, their vaccine. That's not what a hypocrite because is. anti-vax propaganda. No, 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 no. That's just the sage state, you know, the table setting for the case about against these propagandists. But so the intro is this this image that's being painted that the anti-vax has gone from like five years ago, like wine moms on Facebook, which make up, I don't know, 3% of the population to now legitimately approaching half of the country has become anti-vax, which is in terms of conspiracy theories, this might be the most successful and fastest rising conspiracy theory ever concocted that has gotten the most buy-in the most quickly. So basically there are people who are like in secret, like Handmaid's Tale, putting on disguises and wigs and mustaches and, and sunglasses to go get the vax because of the social shunning and shame they will get for revealing they believe in science and health. And I just, I find that image so funny. This is the predator meme with the white hand, uh, arm and the black arm shaking. Uh, and the one side is, is <laughs> Trump and the other side is Andrew Wakefield. And it's just that's the guy with the with the with the uh, falsified autism kit. Yeah, who published the autism vaccine thing? Because the, the the territory, like the soil, was fertilized a long time ago for this. Like it has now been decades of disinformation about the supposed risks of vaccines as a concept. Like anti-vax sentiment was well established before Trump started saying his stupid shit. But it was still tiny. It was well known. But people who genuinely believed, believed like, it. But there were, were millions of people like who believed it, and they weren't all concentrated on one side of the political aisle. Which That's right. true. There was actually a lot of... But uh, like not normal, wing, normal but Democrats but and political people who believed it. And Trump then hyper... But the raw numbers were Like between like QAnon and, and Trump then hyper-normalizing conspiracy theory... All of these people right. who had yeah, kind of exactly. been this small and extremely fucked up minority who were letting like their children die of like syphilis, uh, like all of these people <laughs> suddenly became like national heroes on the right. And so like, these people who had probably not yeah. even been particularly right wing consistently or had no real politics, they were just kind of cranks. Suddenly they're getting like enormous clout and status as having like been um, trendsetters of dumb. And so now you have. Trump basically saying, like, all this time, you know, all this time, folks, look at him. They knew. They read the articles. They read that retracted false article. They knew. You know, and so, like... Right. It turns them into martyrs or people who had the secret information from the outset, which is exactly what conspiracy theories right. are about. Which is saying, I have the secret information no one else has. Right. So, it, it, it just has this bizarre, like, look, all along we've been dumb. Now you can join us. Now you, now you can join the real, the winning side. The side that's not corrupted like and it's also like one of the bleakest things about it is that this preys on truth to a degree which is like huge medical companies uh, you know and, and that develop right we have tuskegee you know, we have all sorts but of not just that like huge, huge pharmaceutical companies do not have your best interests at heart like like we were talking about earlier with with cigna like um there was a big story going around about the op opioid crisis there was a big settlement right. finally uh, we'll get so, that like, it, yes, the public is correct to be foundationally suspicious of huge corporations in control of their healthcare, but that the cognitive leap to get from we need to radically overhaul and reform how health is done in this country to 
I'm not going to vaccinate myself against a lethal disease and I'm going to allow it to spread to other people is a kind of enormous leap to make. And it's really only possible because so many people are saying that this is like, this is a normal thing to do and even a virtuous thing to do if you're in you know the wrong part of the country. Yeah. Yeah. I, I see it almost as a, not almost, I see it as a natural kind of extension of, of like a glorification and like the, the courage of anti-intellectualism. You know, it's the same kind of idea in some ways as the anti-climate change movement. This kind of distrust of, of science as a way to be a pillar of your party or your, your right-wing ideology or, or wherever you identify. Uh, and also just like to continue to conflate the scientific community in, in all corners with, I guess, East Coast elites and all of their, yeah. all of their baby drinking and adrenochrome use. I, I just, I love... Exactly. Like, this is the Democrat version of Ben Shapiro's, like, fiction novels, where it's like, in a world where people who secretly want to get healthcare are shunned by the community. Like, it's there's the idea that people are disguising themselves, so they don't want to deal with the social pressure, because the anti-vax people are the moral heroes of their town, is just peak, like, ironic America today. Just this image of... Like I'm, they're wearing the the fake nose and glasses because they don't want to die. Yeah. Oh God! It's, it's, it's terrifying that these people have social circles where they'd be like, um, "I need to wear right as you say, like a Groucho Marx like fake nose and mustache because my friends will think I'm a bad person for not murdering." For exactly for, for for increasing their likelihood of surviving. <laughs> right, like they're not getting angry at them because they like got an abortion. Like they're not doing something that's like uh, at least like vaguely controversial. They're literally just protecting themselves and others from a disease. At the absolute worst, according to the right-wing conspiracy theories, they'd be harming themselves. Nah, but Alex, 5G and, and the crazy lady about we separate the shit. And yeah. and, and women shedding, around people shedding. with vaccines are having more periods or some bullshit. Like, people are insane. This is this is like if someone wore a seatbelt and then all their friends walked around the car and were like... How dead? Kind of, Good sir. What kind of, you know, what kind of little bitch wears a seatbelt? <laughs> It's like the seatbelt is like it doesn't affect you in any you, way. You don't want to become a projectile in an accident. Like it gets right back to like the banning, the wearing of masks. Like it only affects the person wearing it as far as discomfort or un like what what are you asking? Like it doesn't affect you in any way. These people who get so up in arms about civil liberties have zero fucks given about people's civil liberties. The article it, ends it's with really incredible. The article ends with the author shitting on uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Tucker Carlson because both of them have publicly deflected answering the question whether they've been vaccinated or not um and the, the other reason is, I like is marjorie taylor green in has marjorie taylor green ever been present in the same room as sasha baron cohen no like he needs do, to do we his... know do we know it is not him <laughs> she's like five two alex he's six eight or some shit he he had an experimental procedure done no. to make it possible because <laughs> she, she is a cartoon he should try and do his like he did the uh, Israeli like IDF soldier thing where he got a bunch of Republican interviews. He should try and like do a QAnon documentary and just go talk to her. But the the reason I the final reason I like this article is because on in the art like you see a picture of the woman who wrote it, and she just has the most resting bitch face because you can clearly tell from the photo she's like I've had enough of this shit. I'm so tired of these assholes. I'm so tired of anti-vax people that like I just see it on her face. It's such a great picture. That's taken after she finished writing. Yeah, the exactly. Like they, it's like a UFC event where they take I new mean, photos every time. 
I guess what, mm-hmm. the, the, like, I guess what the other thing I would say is, what are these people afraid of? Like losing their audience, I, seeming hip, seeming like hypocrites to their massive audiences. But like, I want, I picture it's like it's like the, the like the leader of the Holocaust, like they're 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 wearing like little gold stars on their arm because they got the vaccine. Yeah, like like they're branded. They have like a pink triangle. Like like they're they're branded with any of like the. You you're in the lower cast of people who were such wimps to get this thing. Like, there's no real consequences for getting the vaccine. No, no one's gonna like follow to your house and kill you for getting the vaccine. Like, this is this is this is like managing to be like, look at us. We're so, like we're so persecuted because we got the vaccine. It's like th- this is whiny even for the people who are doing the right thing. I don't know. <laughs> what what what's gonna happen to them? All right, I got like, I got on. two more. This one from the esteemed CNN business. Why remote work is a big problem for the economy. Wow, how specific. Oh, yeah, we're checking all the boxes today, I see. You know the economy? Have you ever met the economy? <laughs> oh, economies are hard people, too. Yeah. You might be able to guess, Alex, because you've read inane shit like this before. I'm not sure, Aiden, if you'd be able to guess what the crux of this guy's argument is. But it is, it is like the best swing from left field you could you could imagine. Um, I'm gonna guess that they're making. I mean, it's CNN business, so they're probably talking about the economy means Wall Street and the stock market. So let's assume somehow remote work is bad for Wall Street, which probably means that remote work is causing uh, fewer and fewer people to be disciplined by coercive mechanisms of managerial control they're getting and wild or get from home <laughs> and therefore they're kind of like learning too much independence and like they're you <laughs> becoming know, like, self-aware yeah like exactly like it's creating like a class consciousness of like techno work where are my finance drones like it's basically the opening to the matrix like i'm starting to he's starting <laughs> to believe you know like that he didn't need to work imagine they're fucking... working from their vet yeah exactly <laughs> you know yeah a guy in a suit and tie and with like six laptops like wakes up and starts gasping for air and he's like, "It's it's I could have worked from home this whole time." <laughs> I can I can I can fuck yeah, during my exactly. lunch break gets now. It's flushed out into a vat of goo. I can now see my baby. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> what's, that's an actual article. What's I funny? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Aiden. Is, is that remote workers are having sex during their and work putting day, it on stream? Problem. Yeah. They start. They're all starting. Anyway, uh, uh, only fans and making more money than we were paying them. Yeah. They're all becoming the new pornographers. Alex, yeah. I love your idea, fun. but you couldn't be more cold. All right. Aiden, what do you think? Uh, I, I mean, I've, you know, I've seen, I feel like dozens of these types of articles, although maybe not if it's that left field. It's so great. Um, it's like a, a comedian couldn't come I, up with this punchline, I'm about to tell you. <laughs> maybe I'll just guess something absurd then. Um, uh-huh. No, I, I mean, they're, they're always, yeah, they're always like what Alex said about like a, a kind of uh, encouragement of freedom in the, in the workplace, uh, which is unacceptable or it's, or it's something else dumb, like, but, but maybe with a tiny fragment of logic, like if people don't come into work, then the restaurants around these big companies Ooh, you're don't close, get as much you're yeah, or like gas prices are falling because no one's driving. You're getting you know, there. You got hotter. Yeah, completely yeah. stupid that we should. Are you ready for this thing. killer opening line? Let's hear it. Love it or hate it, commuting is good for the economy. 
You yeah. pay train conductor salaries with your subway fare. <laughs> the dry cleaner by the office and the coffee shop around the corner all count on workers who have been largely absent for nearly half a year and a half. <laughs> Wait, okay. I, I, I worked in the city for a while. Who... <laughs> Who brings her laundry you're not, you're to not work? Dry cleaning, no, you're, 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 you're you after work. You go to the dry cleaner, strip, give them your vomited on suit, and then just walk <laughs> home naked. Yeah, you have to do it twice because you had sex in the middle of the day, and now you had to. You know. Staying home uh -huh. is likely to delay yeah. the recovery of the vital office adjacent economy. Think of the office office adjacent people. <laughs> yeah, a a term that existed for <laughs> sure before this article. I don't. Also, who do you think helped do the research for this article? According to economists from Goldman Sachs... <laughs> a dog? Oh, okay. Office, okay. office attendance in large U.S. cities is only about one-third of pre-pandemic levels. It's something far less loyal. That's a lot of employees who are still working remotely and not spending cash on items like trains, tickets, or lattes. The kind of economic activity is essential so in the not... consumer spending and service-driven economy. So they're all doing the thing that all the millennials are killing their own finances articles have been whining exactly. about, which is stop going to coffee places and eating avocado toast. Now that we're no longer going to coffee places and eating avocado toast, we're killing it. Exactly. The boomer's like, wait, no, go back to being things. Wait, realize. go back to the avocado toast. Um, yeah. they, they, they really want it both ways, huh? They just want to shit on everyone. Frivolous spending down is killing the think, economy. Think of the train conductors. It's, it's almost like that's a fucking public utility that should be paid for anyway. I pay your salary, motherfucker. <laughs> this train has to go oh where God. I demand. And they threw the train conducting guy in jail. It's a very old story of this guy who keeps getting arrested because he keeps driving trains that he doesn't have the right to. He's a national hero. He's oh, very, it, he's very passionate. A hero. Um, yeah, this is this is real. This is a real, uh, <laughs> real reach to try to create a problem. <laughs> like th this makes the chipmunks with plague story seem like you know all the new only things important. To, what's the New York Times slogan? All the news is fit to print. Good God, <laughs> this is like you know um, re reduction in mass shootings from COVID has reduced the amount of uh, d doctors who can specialize in bullet removal. <laughs> I, don't, I, I mean, the gun the gun companies generally do make this argument. They're like, our I'm, sales I'm just, are going down. Yeah. I'm just saying, every other time in our recent history, anything that is seen as contributing to the congestion and inefficiency of commuting is like one of the biggest problems for our economy. Like, urban planners have to spend an enormous amount of time trying to reduce the reliance on and the problem of commuting. And this article is like, how I, you know... Stop worrying and learn to love the commuting. Like, I, it, it's it's not it's not only not a problem; it's like a great boon. Yeah, it's it, it's really twisted. All right, so if you, I'll oh, go ahead. Ian. This is all, just one last thing. This is also just like one of the infinite uh, examples of of, of of the fact that no one, no neoliberal, no liberal, no conservative who professes to love the free market really loves. They it. all hate it. Like they just. Yeah, anytime anything changes, anything is challenged, it's just... Right, we're no, all the libertarians. Wrong, like, this, this is the disruption in the market we've all been looking for, for, for dynamism and, and, and uh, ingenuity. And what's the other word they use uh, a lot? For, like, creative... Uh, uh, 
whatever. I'm, I don't know. There's so all the buzzwords. So many buzzwords. All right. So if you thought that article was nearly fully mask off, here they just fully rip it off and show you the scorpion face. No, the Missouri governor was full mask off. This is from Inside Hook, which I didn't know what the fuck it was, but the headline was too good. When society collapses, you'll want to live in these five places. That's this is really um, telling it like it is. Like they, oh, we know it's on the way out. Move to these five states for just for survival. When 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 the world has become uninhabited and all real people are living in a tiny uh, man-made uh, ring circling the earth, right? when we're on the Elysium, or yeah, I, when we've satellite. all become Elysium, this is the part of the satellite that you want to live on. Yeah, it's just it's just like a, a, a one of those classic like cheeky stories that or like HGTV or something, except. The host is wearing a gas mask and is like in the ruins of a major metropolis. But it's not if society collapses. It's when society collapses. When? <laughs> like, what do they know that we don't? Is this is this the secret no. onion article? No, I, I didn't do that. That was Aiden's idea for next time. No, it's, okay. it's the but it basically is. Hook. It basically is the onion article. This is this is the purge. <laughs> like, this, like, right. Which which safety safe room? Which uh panic rooms are best? When when it's you and Kenshiro in the desert, this is the four hot rocks you'll want to be. Which martial arts to train for surviving yeah, like the, the, the Mad Max apocalypse? These ten pressure points what to the... explode the organs of raiders you'll need to memorize. When the last when last when the last figment of hope escapes your mind, here's the quickest way to take your right. life. Now you think this article will be written by some like insane depressed guy. This is written by like a twenty something bubbly person. So let me give an example. That's why there's imagine. a good reason billionaires yeah. are moving to New Zealand. If we reach end times, it's essentially one of five places you could possibly eke out a semi-normal existence. Oh, oh but Jason, before you go <laughs> yeah. through the rest, is one of them space? I, I actually don't know. I haven't read the whole thing. Okay. Right. This is this is the inversion of the uh, but not for you meme, where it's like you know, call, call an ambulance, but not for me. This yeah. is yeah. call an ambulance, but not for you, as like you put the gun to your own head. And here's like, the here's the way they millennially sum it up. Basically, human civilization is a non-equilibrium thermodynamic or dissipative system that must maintain a minimum level of available energy to avoid entropic decay and yet a higher level to permit physical growth. And Earth is well a finite source. Just like a nihilist. <laughs> this is a person coke. who read like one. Urban planners like theory about how they're both cities, black cities and a travel agent. There's a famous, there's a famous paper that wrote a thesis or whatever. It's like uh, civilization behaves like energy systems, like they go up in energy yeah. and they become more civilized. Adding climate change, pandemic. I feel like, I feel like, I'm, I feel like, you know, I'm gonna go up and be like, ah, oh, you're reading a lot of Gordon Wood. Ah, oh, you think you understand thermodynamic systems and energy? Like, this is the dumbest, like, half. Barely remembered, understood take listen, on listen academic to this paragraph. Possible. Listen to this paragraph. Add in climate change, pandemics, economic inequality, and overall global interdependency, and there's a good chance we're headed towards something catastrophic. The question here is, if and when that happens, where do you want to be? I'll, I'll probably be dead. So, so we have the foresight, according to according to this article, we have the foresight to not only predict but more or less assume. <laughs> The destruction of civilization. We can't fix that. We just have to move. We, instead of a, doing anything to prevent or alter that course, it's going, here are the top five rocks to hide under. 
when it happens. It's the it's the Ben Shapiro just sell right, your just house move. if you're on. The, oh, yeah, just yeah. Move. This is the trolley car problem, but instead of saying, "Do you switch the wing?" It's like, how far? Can, these are the best places to run away from the lever when the police arrive after the trolley car all problem. Right, I'm, I'm going to tell you the five places, and I want you to tell me if you notice something about all five. Okay. Uh, according to the researchers, the answer is New Zealand, Iceland. The UK, Australia, or Ireland? Super white. So <laughs> white, white, white British Commonwealth Islands. <laughs> was, was this was this written by the by the English Empire? It's written by the East India Company. No, because they don't want us going to them. Oh my god, the UK <laughs> is in shambles. It's in sh bloody shambles. No man. one would go there. You're gonna drown before almost bad. anyone. God. Yeah, that's um. That's so this is the stuff. plot to like 28 years later when they finally make that the, scene. The plot of 2012, the 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 uh, you know catastrophe movie was was better. Yeah. Than that. Jesus. Good God. All right, I think that's enough of these. I still have a couple that are really dark. Um, but I'm gonna hang on to those. <laughs> Yeah, these were some good ones. Well, uh, we've learned a lot. Man, what a journey from from bubonic, bubonic to and drug drivers winning against the police. Well, you you really told a narrative with these. You you started with bubonic bubonic chipmunks and ended with a complete. Collapse a bubbly acknowledgement of the collapse of civilization. Yeah, as a determined. I mean, I know end. that the first most important um, event going on right now is bubonic chipmunks, but I think a close hmm. second might be the prosecution. Oh man, I can just imagine it. Jesse Ventura goes to Lake Tahoe. He's like, "Let me see the bubonic chipmunks. I know you've been doing research on them. Bunch of slack jawed motherfuckers around here." Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's a character. He kind of is. <laughs> that was almost a clean segue, Alex. Yeah, I, I you know, I did it. It didn't happen, but fucking no. The uh, the second most important thing seems to be the prosecution of whistleblowers, and by seems to be, I mean no one's talking about it. But I think, in our estimation, it's up there. Um. Aiden, why don't you why don't you take us away? What 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 is the recent event we're referencing here with the, with the prosecution of whistleblowers? Sure, yeah. So just recently, uh, whistleblower Daniel Hale has been sentenced to almost four years in prison for disclosing information. Um, it has been ruled uh, illegally um, on the American drone strike drone strike program and the extrajudicial. A killing of many, many, many people that uh, Daniel Hale felt was a, a great injustice as someone who admittedly participated in that program. He, he was left uh, with severe trauma and uh, has written some pretty compelling um, statements about his time in that program and his reflections and how they've affected him and uh, how basically just how shoddy he believes the legal and the intel justifications are 
for those programs. And uh, going beyond kind of the the still very relevant history of whistleblowers during the 21st century that we've seen with Edward Snowden and Chelsea Manning and many others, uh, we are on the cusp of yet another another American being convicted under the Espionage Act for trying to inform the public on what our government does, supposedly on our behalf, but often without really consulting us about what we think about it and whether we think it's ethical. Yeah, the, the real 5D chess big brain part of this that explodes most people's conceptions of good and evil is that the majority of all the new Espionage Act prosecutions began under President Obama. Uh, and were continued yeah. under Trump. Trump was like, all right, all right if you're going to give me that power, I'll take it. Um, but that confused a lot of people. Because we're like, but, but Obama good, Trump man, orange man bad. What happened? You know, without realizing that Obama single-handedly, even way more than Bush, expanded our drone program, uh, carried out way more unmanned drone strikes, um, had no problem with it, encouraged it, uh, promoted NS, uh uh, intelligence and security people who wanted to continue to ramp up the drone program. And one of the funniest quotes I took uh, from this case is that uh, essentially the nature of the Espionage Act, it was written to basically prosecute foreign spies. Like if you remember during the Trump administration, there was some like random Russian chick who was hot, whoever was like, oh, she's a spy. And they're like, should we bring a prosecutor? Or she like, sure. she like blew some fucking, you know, senator for intel. She wasn't prosecuted with the uh, Espionage Act, I don't believe. But this guy is. And the justification given by the government's, you know, the prosecutor was that when you put information on the internet, even if you're not a foreign agent, you can't control who receives your information. So you may as well be a foreign agent because foreign agents can get access to that information. So essentially, anyone is a spy. Anyone is a foreign agent who is betraying their country. If you ever say anything on the internet, that's classified. Which is just genius level marketing. It's, it's, it's unknowable. Like, If you're going to have a non-transparent system where people are essentially told, just trust your government, it knows what it's doing. Then... How do how do you know whether what you are posting is dangerous or not? How does the public know whether what, what you're posting is dangerous or not? The, you're sent, the, the government is prosecuting people, saying they violated the trust of the government, but the government has not established the trust it's supposed to have with the people. Like, the government hasn't said, here's how you know that what we're doing was the right thing. And if a government says every time that they try to reveal what's going on, that's dangerous, it smells an awful lot like they don't want us to know what they're doing. You don't sound like, very patriotic, Alex. Our yeah, government just, exists. Just trust it. It seems it seems awfully suspicious that whenever anyone tries to leak anything about what we're doing, that's somehow always a, a, like a risk to our troops or a risk to our national security. It's like could, maybe they should demonstrate the risk more than a make oh, no, no, us that was mentioned. That, that was mentioned. That even the judge acknowledged no one got hurt from this. Right. The judge literally said, "You're not being prosecuted for being the hero you are." You're just being prosecuted for leaking classified documents. <laughs> the judge was like, I love you, sir. You're a veteran. You're a hero. You're a patriot. But you leaked those documents and you admitted to it, son. Jail for three and a half years. 
it should be mentioned, he's not being prosecuted for murdering civilians in violation of international law. Which he approved of, as which was, which was his job in the military. Right. Like, like, this is what's so perverse about this. Not only are we prosecuting people for being whistleblowers, which is already disgusting, but this guy was also complicit in this international regime of assassination, which violates so many forms of both international norms and ethics, as well as literal conventions and laws that we've become party to as the United States. Laws that we're literally still prosecuting 100-year-old Nazi right. guards over. Like, if it, it, either it's a thing or it's not. Like, and if we take these things seriously, then we're already in violation of international law in a pretty serious way. Because half the time, these people are not even combatants. We're not even in a war with them. Like, we're striking uh, people. More than half. Not, <laughs> what I'm saying is, like, a, like a, a, a ridiculous proportion of the time, we're not even at war with the country we're attacking. The, the people don't even know that they're in a conflict. Like, we're, we're essentially blowing up civilians and non-combatants or even, uh, you know, a little grayer, but combatants who are not currently in a conflict. Like, people who, who might be military well, age, but they're not currently fighting the U.S. in any meaningful sense. Like, this is huge. These are huge crimes. It's, a, it's basically a perfect illustration of, of the realist perspective. That states will do whatever they need to do in the name of the, their security. This is like a complete separation of the What's idea the of security from, from legality. Like, you prosecute when something threatens your, your security. Or, I guess, also when you're unhappy that you're dirty secrets are aired out in the open. Yeah, you're, you're completely correct, Alex, that to, to say that this is about law is really fascinating, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely farce. Like, here's, here's an article by uh, Samuel Alexander from the Florida Law Review, who basically says in his abstract that because of double tap and triple tap drone strikes, which is when you um, intentionally strike the same place multiple times to kill the first responders. Right, it's not immediate. Um, you shoot once, um, you wait for people to come try and recover bo the bodies, then you kill yeah. the people who are obviously trying to help. Yeah, he argues that, quote, uh, this note argues that to conform to international law, the United States should cease the use of double trap drone strikes immediately if it is not already. Additionally, it should make the criteria it uses to target individuals for drone strikes as transparent as necessary to determine the process's legality under international law. Um, to, uh, without transparency on the part of the cooperating governments, it is nearly impossible to determine the legality of a covert military program. Um, I, I mean, th this is like basic legal knowledge of how these treaties work and what we are party to th there's no legal case for saying like drone strikes right now are unambiguously good or legal the best you could say is like well, it's unclear yet to be determined you know no data present right so to use the legal system to prosecute someone for revealing an almost certainly illegal act is kind of crazy um now now like i, I would also, I also think to point out like um this is a deeply immoral activity, regardless of even whether it was legal, and I think that's actually the most important thing. But but if but if we're gonna operate on this like realm of pure legality, it's still wrong. It's still wrong. Like there's there's no good reason to say yeah. that the person breaking the most laws are this guy. Yeah, it, it, it's a la carte law legalism. It's it's America's prosecuting this guy under our laws in our country, but we don't have to follow international laws in other countries because we're head honcho. Because we're the head of NATO, because we have the nukes, because we control everything, because we're the hegemon. That's the argument. The argument is we can violate law whenever we want, but citizens of our country can't violate our laws because we have power and we will do anything to stop that. It's just it's naked power. Yeah, I mean, yeah it's, it, right, exactly. It's, we, yeah, I mean, we, we, it's echoing again the sentiment from 
from last week about when, when there's some brutality against protesters in Cuba, that's horrible. When we do it, right, exactly. When, when our military force and our security forces do the brutality to our people, we could do whatever we want. It's just our power. That's just that's yeah. just lobbying and force. This is so so drone strikes were massively expanded under Obama because he wanted to tamp down on the um, putting troops on the ground. Right. The perception of our troops dying. Right, because he didn't want to see as many troops dying because it was a propaganda coup to make it seem like he was more of an anti-war president. Which I guess the total number of dead went down America, compared to compared to mass conflict in Iraq. But when we when we switched over to the system of drone strikes, we actually became even more unethical in who we were killing because you don't have eyes on the ground to confirm who you're killing. So you know when 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 the report that Hale leaked revealed that about 90% of the people in a five-month span were not confirmed to be anything but random civilians who happened to be near the targets, that's a way worse ratio than we even achieved by just sending troops to Iraq. Right. Like, like it's, 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 it's a disgustingly arbitrary form of murder, which is, like, it's on par with mass shooting events in the United States, where it's like, uh, we, we just spray-fired and hoped we got the guy we wanted. And, and, and for, th for that to be, like, for that to be sort of shoehorned into this concept of like respectable, uh, law-abiding status quo, basically requires the total dehumanization yep. and devaluing of the life of people in the places we hit. Which is why they don't hit the us, right? Because if they shot if they shot drone strikes in the United States, we would have to actually investigate the moral properties of blowing up several random minivans. Yep. Um, and and because we do that in you know the hills of Afghanistan. We just assume when the state says, you know, enemy combatants, it's enemy combatants. No, it's usually like women and children and random like old people are going to, you know, the, the funeral or going to the wedding or someone who's like in a business suit who was in the wrong place at the wrong time. I mean, w when the United States ma makes a, a regular practice of saying uh, these people are enemies killed in action because no one's proven they're not. I mean, how is that any different than Trump? saying, you know, fake news right, or, 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 or QAnon. It's totally unfalsifiable, conspiratorial gibberish. Like, they're absolutely not enemies. It's their, the burden of proof is on them. Prove that these people were enemies. The tragic, they, they're not. The tragic reality of war is that the closer you are on the ground level, the better your intel. And, you know, for example, I just recently rewatched Black Hawk Down. And the famous case of Black Hawk Down, which they don't cover in the movie, the inciting incident is that a helicopter strike we ordered killed 200 peace negotiators who were trying to end the conflict of warlords in Somalia, and we thought we were there killing the, the warlords of Somalia. And now, now that put a lot of our soldiers at risk, because those choppers are, are, are manned, and there were supporting people there, and it was dangerous. But the reality is, when you give an actual human and a squad of people decision-making power, and they're on the ground, and they can see the target they're shooting at, they make often informed and ethical decisions. Most people, even trained killers, know if they're, it's the wrong target, they won't take the shot. Know if it's, a, if, if, if it's the right wrong place, they'll find another different way to enter. By dehumanizing our military process, we dehumanize who we target, how we gain intel, and the, where the blood ends. And so I, the irony is that from even from a pure militaristic perspective, we're fucking this up because we're not killing the people who we think are evil. We're only making things worse and we're unkillable because we don't have any men down there to be killed, to make them feel like at least we're getting some vengeance back. It's just raining hell from the skies. 
And there is no possible universe in which us raining hell from the skies against the terrorists makes world peace or furthers peace at all. Well, the, the, also, the irony of calling them terrorists while we annihilate right, civilians is pretty stark. But the, the, the Bloody Monday attack that you're referring to in Somalia yeah. has basically been confirmed historically and it, it like in, in 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 relatively short order like within a few months by reporters and analysts to have been an overwhelmingly destructive attack on civilians right that it was not a military target and best case scenario killed, it was a mistake and worst case it was intentional to sabotage peace it killed dozens to hundreds well, there were hundreds hundreds wounded several dozen at least killed um it was it was almost entirely older people who were like tribal elders negotiating peace deals with the United and States. And that was in the nineties with right. manned choppers, not right. drones, and, from a mile away. And what's important to me about that is, we do not in the West talk about Bloody Monday. That's never discussed. It's never like okay, this is the logical pre you know part that led up to the battle of Mogadishu. we don't talk about the highway of death we don't talk about any of this shit right so like when 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 we talk about like the the haters for freedom it's no like, the haters because we shoot hellfire missiles at right, like no it's like the haters because we're committing like atrocities against their people like it's it's not confusing like it's a laughable propaganda coup to say like the only things we report on the news is the relatively uninteresting banal actions we take and then when people respond to the horrific violence that wasn't reported on with their own violence, it's like, look at these monsters. I mean, the funny Happy thing day. is, you know, back yeah, a year ago, we were having, in terms of COVID deaths, a 9-11 every day. No one said mm -hmm. shit. No one cared. It just was life. But when an actual 9-11 happens, where it's like another people who are not us attack us, we lose our shit. We've now spent 20 years doing 9-11s all day every day across the world. And with the pandemic, we've been doing it to ourselves. Every day's a 9-11. You'll get a 9-11. You'll get a 9-11. I don't want to pretend like it's on the same scale. Like, obviously, these drone strikes are not killing the same amount of people in any given attack as 9-11. But because they're not keeping a good count, and or rather, they if they are, they're not allowing Okay, they're killing as many as got killed in the um, Pentagon hit. Like Right, exactly. Like, we don't know how many. Flight 93. We don't know how many people are being assassinated on the, in the name of the United States. Because we're not allowed to know as the people living in the United States. Because if you tell us, we're, we'll prosecute you. Right. So basically, we have no idea what we're doing around the rest of the world. We have no idea who's being murdered, why they're being murdered, if there was any justification for it, if there's any legal precedent for any of this that makes any sense. We're just supposed to trust that this is all good. But like, if we're supposed to trust that this is all good, is there? have they made any effort to create like a framework for why we're supposed to trust that this is all good? Hey, and like, I have a question what, for you. What is the groundwork there? As someone who's sure. been employed the most recently, what do you think about uh, Daniel Hale's description of how he basically got PTSD'd and triggered by his uh, co-workers when he was working as a, mil a private military contractor? What do you think about the kind of corporate aspect of this? I think it it kind of speaks to uh, a very intentional kind of mechanic for how programs like this uh, are carried out. Because, you know, as you're talking about, um, there it's much more distant, but it still requires people to be complicit, you know, yeah, Hale himself at some point. Um, but, yeah, both with the USAF and then his next employer was, I believe, a, a subsidiary of uh, the DOD. Um, 
Yeah, it, it is. It, it's kind of a, uh, uh, you know, it's something that, yeah, it, it's a good question because you see it in, in every corporate setting that you work in. You know, it, even, if, even if it's not dealing with life and death, there is a, uh, with any kind of, of mechanism that, that requires some kind of um, ethical alighting or some kind of, uh, uh, I guess, dissonance, I suppose. Just, which, just subcontract it out. Just privatize it. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's pretty concerning to see it kind of echoed in things where people's lives are, are literally um, at risk and, and being being devastated. Like, it, it's one thing to, to go to work and, like, see and hear people callously talk about, like... Becky's pregnant or something. Basically. But, yo, bro, yeah, you on your lunch break? You want to or... see that drone strike we did today? We have it on HD footage. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, did that guy came to talk to you and tell you that, like, you are execute? You ordered a drone strike that killed his family? Cool, bro. I got that last night in pod. And, and it's, 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 it's like, it's both kind of just human coping, the way that humans work, but it's also, like, I think most times, uh, a kind of attitude fostered uh, top down to stop exactly what Daniel Hale did from happening, whether it's going to, uh, I mean, HR doesn't normally just works for, for upper management, but whatever accountability mechanics you have in your company, when you come across some kind of inequality, mistreatment, abuse, whatever. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it kind of goes exactly to what, what you, you asked last Alex, which is why, if this is justified, Let's put aside security considerations, just facts about outcomes. Why do those need to be hidden from us? Why is it wrong to disclose that? What possible right, threat could that be? Shouldn't that be informative and helpful? Unless... Right. If, if, if you truly believe that, that this is right for, for America, for the world, then it's just kind of informing people. And, and if you think it's right and it has a good effect, then the public should support you. Um, ideally. And if you're not confident in that, then you're kind of just admitting that we're not a democracy. Yeah, I'm, the, the secret's out. Even the military knows what they're doing is evil. They don't believe in it. They don't believe in the cause. They just believe in the violence. Because they know that as soon as anyone I heard mean, this shit, they'd freak out, which is exactly what happens whenever whenever someone hears the shit, they freak out. Yeah. I, you, you hear generals and military officers testify about it all the time, about like the public they might not belitt belittle the public. They might think that they're still serving they're the public too. in their own way. But you, yeah, yeah, exactly. They they don't understand the realities of war, and it's true. In many ways, the average person doesn't. Um, but there are many things that that is just a a complete excuse for, which is that, like, in a certain way, I you know I pay taxes, I pay for you know through a, a complicated channel of funds being pushed around. My money is going towards killing, you know, Afghani children. I don't want that to be the case. So why don't I get a say in that? Why don't, don't I just get to know about it? Com ethics and compassion are bad. You're the ones you yeah. don't understand. Not well, us. Not not us. These soulless killers. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'll put, okay, I'll put ethics aside. How about the fact that anti-American sentiment, as observed already in this conversation? Has vastly increased and since the our money time is in the being Middle spent East. Very inefficiently. Fucking libertarians can get on board with this. Fiscal conservatives can get on board with, with leaking about this. 
yeah, the, the, the budget is completely bloated beyond any logical rationale. And, and I mean, the fact that we could do enormous good anywhere in the world we chose to, including our own country with the same monies, instead of annihilating children, uh, that would be cool. But, but I, think the, I think the utter lack of regard for whether we're even killing the right targets and whether we're killing civilians or not, like, or whether we're basically just doing it to continue getting the budgets approved by Congress to keep right, doing it. Right, the way cops get their it, budgets right. Um, yeah, I think it's revealed by several incidents in history. Like, so, so during, during the uh, 80s, uh, the United States famously shot down an Iranian civilian airline, uh, killing almost two, 300 people, uh, all of whom were civilians. It was not a military target. And they could identify that it wasn't a military target. And they shot it down anyway because the guy in the ship was just being an aggressive yeah, Pablo Escobar did the same thing. Now, generally when you commit what is essentially an act of horrific terrorism, you acknowledge that you have done such and make every effort you can at restitution and never doing so again. The United States refused to apologize for doing it. They technically allowed, they agreed to do like, like you know, $60 million or something like of a, of a kind of a hush money to Iran to not that continue talking to them about it. But but like essentially, you know, Reagan claims, oh, well, that counts as an apology. It's like, no, you didn't acknowledge wrongdoing. Like you didn't acknowledge that you're blowing away civilians for no reason when you knew they were civilians, right? And and the United States disregard for civilian life is consistently shown in the conflicts we engage in because we don't prioritize it. We don't go like Okay, here's the disciplinary, like court martialing action that the higher ups have to go through if they order drone strikes that blow up civilians. The only people who ever get court martialed for killing civilians are grunts. You know, if 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 you're a soldier in Iraq and you you know kill some woman and her children in a house, all right, there's going to be a report about that. But if you're if you're you know if you're in the top champ, you know maybe if 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 there's if justice. you're the guy who ordered it, you get pardoned by Trump. Yeah, but if you're the guy who ordered it, then you just like go out celebrating, you get some beers, like it doesn't mean you get a medal of you. freedom. There's absolutely no accountability for the top-level decision-making that kills civilians. But see, Alex, it used to just be that we had no regard for non-American civilian life. And it's reached its final form. We now have no regard for any civilian life. American lives, too. Fuck them, let them die. You'll get healthcare. Move. Our disregard for humanity is, is at our own borders. It's the war we wage on our own country every day. And it's it's apparent how normalized, you know, drone strikes have become in that, like... That Obama's yes, joking I, about doing it I to Sasha Malia's boyfriends. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole other level. But, like, think about, like, during the Vietnam War was, like, Nixon's secret bombing, Nixon and Kissinger's secret bombings in Cambodia Close. without consulting Congress. That That at least for a period of, of history... We've seen Biz Bad. Um, Re- rebalanced the dynamic of power between Congress the and the executive branch. There were, there, yeah, there's an increased check on, on executive power. This is just this is just normal. Presidents do this. This is fine. It's like Congress doesn't even care that that they're committing acts of war in secret, killing hundreds of people without any consultation, any kind of check. It's, if anything, it's just Congress loves usual. it. Because they love shirking this responsibility and letting the executive handle that mess instead of them having to handle it. Yeah, it's so heavy to, to kind of have to decide Congress that the U.S. is going dick. to war. This is so much easier. It should also be mentioned that this is not extended to any of the countries we don't like. Like, w- when countries start using, like, you know, chemical weapons or weapons of mass destruction because they're desperate and they're, like, on the verge of losing Yeah, the shit that we accuse Iran of doing literally yeah. every day. 
we don't then go, well, what? They had no choice. It was their national security. Like they had to, what else could they have done? They needed to do what they could to survive. Like we only ever use this in a self-serving way. Like we don't say like, well, it's a, it's a precedent that any country that feels that their national security is sufficiently threatened can ignore international law. Like that, that's just a U.S. thing. That, or I guess, I guess like an Israel thing. Yeah. Like the, the, the U.S. and its US and U.S. Uh, accessories. Yeah. The U.S. a country that a country that in in modern history has had one attack on right. that soil. One. And so, like the the, the reality is, the U.S. has basically decided it's above international law. It's above any kind of consideration of ethics. It has taken this position with power, but it justifies it with democracy and all these these pretenses. And then it says, we're going to do anything to anyone, and you're not even going to know about it. But if you do know about it, it was good, and the person who told you is bad. And so now we've started yeah. prosecuting whistleblowers because the final war, as Jason alluded to, is on the American public, both in the form of not caring if they die from crushing poverty, uh, homelessness, drug abuse, mismanaged pandemic. It's also a war on their right to know what's going on. Like, it's, it's literally a war against informing the public. In 10 years, some fucking general is going to argue in front of Congress that the First Amendment does not give you the right to knowledge. That's going to happen. Oh, uh, we don't have a right to free information. I, I feel like that's probably happened in a secret meeting already. Like, it's how right, do they, they, how, how do they justify this? Like, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is when, when, when Obama decided that this was a good time to start prosecuting whistleblowers like crazy, because Obama prosecuted more whistleblowers than all previous presidents combined, all of them combined. And Obama is, yeah. is going in there as the hope and change candidate who's supposed to end the wars, bring the shit home, restore dignity and honor after the disgrace of the Bush years. And, and his decision is to turn us into like the Sith. Oh, Alex, did like, you get like, his like, invitation like, to his 60th birthday bash? Yeah. You know, the mass was one with 2,000 people? Well, in his defense, he also increased protections for people who report on waste, <laughs> fraud. We got the CFPB, and, motherfuckers. And abuse. So, yeah. Your credit card yeah, rates yeah. are a little Basically, bit lower. If you see anyone that's costing us too much money, you can report that, I guess. Outside maybe. of the most fringe left-wing media, of which there are only a handful that have any, you know, widespread distribution, um, who during the Obama years was going, this guy is doing all these things, you know, th this guy is assassinating people, this guy is double and triple trap drone, you know, drone striking, this guy is, is supporting the war in Yemen. Like, these are all fringe, these are considered fringe positions that even, like, mainstream Bernie people couldn't say out loud. People who are no longer are... a part of the quote-unquote too-big Democratic Party. Right, so, like, if you were saying this kind of thing, you were a marginal figure. Almost by definition, you you were not getting on the TV, on TV for sure, and you, it was very difficult to get into print media outside of the handful of leftist sort of publications that consistently don't care if they violate norms. But the media was not covering this; they were not talking about this. The irony They're not is, talking about it. we have to say it happened. Maybe the irony is they were with Snowden, and Obama tried to dunk on Snowden so hard, so many times. He's like the one that got away. He's like fucking Moby Dick of of whistleblowers. I mean, look, it becomes this ridiculous thing. It's the same thing as, like, the police problem. It's, like, whether or not someone's a good apple. They start getting into, like, the moral prosecution of whether each of these whistleblowers is a flawless human. 
Like, like, like you have to find the perfect whistleblower. Like, this person can't have any personal problems and can't have any trauma and can't have any aspirations. God forbid the people ordering the drone strikes don't have moral misgivings. Right. We, we never investigate anyone except the person who's doing the one good thing, which is whistleblower. Like, you know, whether or not Hale had ambitions to become a reporter was used as a cudgel to destroy him in this trial. Like, oh, he wasn't leaking the data out of goodness of his heart. He, he was leaking it because he wanted to prove he could do reporting. That's the other fucked thing, is that he might have gotten away with this if he was just officially a journalist it's like you you're not investigating the moral properties of anything except the person who's being victimized it's like it's like when they report on whether or not uh you know the person who was shot in a police killing had a criminal record exactly which is all just right-wing fog really? um, you know red that's meat. not the question whether or not Daniel Hale wanted to be a reporter has zero bearing on whether the information he was releasing was vital to the public interest and the maintenance of, of national security or to the well-being of American democracy or to the following of international law. Like, all of this horseshit about, oh, well, look, uh, you know, Julian Assange has some strange right-wing libertarians. He's like, I don't care. It always just becomes kill the messenger. The fact that WikiLeaks revealed enormous complicity in rigging democracy is a little more important than whether Assange is a crank. Like, the individual is not the question. Like, I, I, don't, I don't care if Donald Trump was the leaker. If Donald Trump was like, by the way, turns out UFOs, totally real. Here's the documents. Right, that's folks. what everyone was waiting for. That would be great. I don't care who the messenger is. The messenger could be a piece of shit. But if the message is essential, and it's helping people in aggregate that it is released, that should be happening. Right? I bet. Like, we should not be prosecuting that. I bet half of the people who vote for Trump are like, he's going to tell us the truth about JFK. Like, right. come on. He's at least a disruptor. He's the instant, you know, tell us what the fuck's actually going on. Yeah. God damn it. it it's just really incredible that they, they always manage to convince us. And part of this is the where the media frames it. But really, the media frames it this way because the government tells them to frame it this way, which is each of these is a moral analysis of the individual whistleblower instead of a moral analysis of the entire system of death that they're revealing. And so, it, you know, when, when we're focused on the individual, like we always fucking do in this like late stage capitalist neoliberal shit show. We can never make systemic analysis. We can never just say, like, is this a thing that we should be doing in general? And is this person's actions contributing to or, or you know, detracting from that process? That's the only salient moral question. It's kindergarten. One kid is looking at another kid's test to cheat. The other kid, a kid to his other side, sees it and tattles. Everyone blames the tattler for tattling on cheating. Not the cheating. Right. It's, it's literally ingrained then. And it's it's bizarre to me because like the closest parallel is a much less serious case, which is like can you separate art from the artist when when the artist commits some horrible act? Yes. But but in that case, even the question is like if you still enjoy their art, you might be giving them publicity, you might be giving them money if you're buying their albums or streaming their albums. In this case, these people are consistently still being exiled or put in jail for years. So the only question is whether their information is important. I don't understand how the question of their character even comes into. Right, we're not buying their mixtape. It's right. It's not. It's not like when you give over documents, documents that you haven't created, you've taken from somewhere else, not releasing to the public. Your character is smeared over them in some kind of filter that that right, like only like the they editorialize the documents. 
they put their twang on it. Yeah, yeah. It's not not like yeah, exactly. It's not like they they signed each one with like a uh, some kind of of uh, nom de plure. It, no it's, stamp it's very of bizarre on that. The judge in the Hale case specifically forbade the discussion of the ethics of the actual drone strikes. Right. But it was okay to talk about whether or not this guy wanted a news job. And openly praised Hale as a veteran hero, while the prosecutor said, no, he's just an egotistical asshole who wants to be famous. It's just, it's just really incredible. Like, it, it could not be more transparent that whatever legal recourse we apparently have in this system is not designed to work for the people. The United it's States just, government not. The United States government argued that D Daniel Hale was in this for clout. They accuse him of being a clout chaser. He literally is getting four years for clout chasing. But the, but the <laughs> one of the bigger problems I have with this is the way that media covers this is as a thing that happens that needed to happen. And, oh, it's kind of sad sometimes for the individual if they were like a decent person. But, you know, the security state's got a security state. It's like the media freaked out during the entire Trump administration. I mean, let, let's be honest. The media broadly disliked Trump even if they helped him win. And they were going along with everyone else and saying, like, look, Trump's a piece of shit. He shouldn't be in office. He's disgracing norms. He's doing everything wrong. And admittedly, it was Trump's administration that started the prosecution against Hale. But it was Biden's administration that finished it. Biden could have pulled this before the end. At any point in the last five, six months, he could have said, my Justice Department is no longer pursuing this. You're free to go. He could have basically said, I'm not going to prosecute whistleblowers. I could be wrong. Wasn't uh, during the Obama administration, Eric Holder in particular was like, no, Obama, I I'll hold my beer. I will prosecute all these motherfuckers. And Obama's like, all right, sure. I don't, I mean, whether it was Obama directly or whether it was Obama signing off on it, one way or the other, that's what was. What I'm saying is, happen. Eric Holder, who was the, the, uh, yeah, is whatever the fuck this stupid bullshit job is, was like, I, I hate these motherfuckers. And he was went after all these people, all these people. But to, to, to me, it gets back to the fundamental inadequacy of the sort of partisan frame with which we approach politics in our in our current period, which is it's enough to get the blue guy in and the red guy out. And it's like, this is transparently false. Like this is, a, this is one of the many things that is extremely wrong right now with the way our society is operating. And there's no real media pushback on the fact that this should not be happening and it's happening under a Democrat. And it's almost like because we have a Democrat, it can happen even easier. Yeah. Because now we can just trust that they have they know what they're doing. They're not the psycho fascists. But it's like not criticizing government and allowing it to do whatever it's doing is how fascism works. Because you're not stopping it from doing what it wants to do. Like the, the fact that, oh, it's like, well, is it fascist or just dictatorial? It's like it doesn't really matter. At, at the end of the day, if you allow a government carte blanche to do evil things. Because you trust that it's somehow it's a better government or it's better than the one that could have been or the you know it's, it's like sort of a, like a candide best of all possible worlds attitude towards life. We are not taking seriously the fact that evil things are going to continue happening under any administration if we do not keep their fucking feet to the fire. And I think having like these blase articles that are like, oh yeah, I guess that guy's going to prison. That's not holding their feet to the fire. No, in like, fact, not, not even a little bit. Here is to cheerlead. And say this goes on Biden's resume as a win, right? Oh look, his Justice Department got one of these guys. It's like got who and why? Like those are those are important questions. But it's just kind of like look, another threat to our national security taken care of for him in a hole. You know, um, you know what it'd be like. Uh, remember in Watchmen in the beginning, like you see some of the superheroes getting killed. It's like if the supervillains guild's like, good news today, we got another superhero. Like that's what we're doing. Evil yeah. is triumphing over good in in a moral sense. <laughs> It, and being cheerled the whole way.
Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's like it's kind of a tired question at this point, but it's one of the most salient ones or or often raised ones of our time, which is like, what does nationalism mean? Like, it, it's it's a bad thing in general, I think, for at least a leftist to to think about because it almost always means uh, blind support that leads into fascism. But like, in, in my mind, if you were ever to kind of put forward a, a positive form of nationalism, a, a pride in in America or a hope for America. It's exactly what these kind of whistleblowers are doing, which is trying to, one, aid their, their fellow members of the public to be able to make informed decisions so that we can all try to critique what we think is wrong with America and make it better. But we can't even do that most of the time as best as we want to because they are doing everything they can to, one, hide it from us from start with their actions both overseas and domestically and then whenever they can create a chilling effect so that no one else will ever try to make make us an informed public again because the status quo is is what national nationalism is it's, it's exactly what america right. is and because, you know we we recognize this in the 70s at least with nixon like the leakers were the heroes the leakers were the patriots the leakers were the people who yeah, had I was taught that, love for their country and wanted their country to be better that has totally 180 since then. Yeah, deep deep throat would be like Fox News and and probably more outlets than we would like to admit would be calling deep throat a traitor or at least like a misguided drug addict or something. Even 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 though even though he, he was the associate director, like, like the the Rachel Maddow contingent would be on there. Like we cannot have these leaks, and then they bring on a guy from the the Pentagon or from Brand FBI cool. to talk about the danger. Like if you look at the people who MSNBC has on. They're just a bunch of hawks. They're a bunch of like deep state guys defending the, the, these programs. Like we don't have a mainstream news channel that reports on these whistleblowing events as if they were even remotely good. Because the news is not for the public anymore. The news, as we talked about last time, is a mirror. It, the news is for other rich, educated people to go. Yes, give me permission to be a cunt. The news to disseminate information to inform the masses to make educated democratic decisions has stopped existing, and it stopped existing a long time ago. And, 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 yeah, and this is at the sorry, this is at a time when we're all super horny to talk about espionage as bad because we're all been we've all like drank the Kool Aid that Russia made our election happen through fraud. So like we're all ready to talk about how evil it is to have a secretive KGB style. Uh, interference with our democracy and, and like violence. everything's being everything's being rigged by like a Soviet KGB conspiracy from a Bond movie. But when our own government is doing to us, it's like just blase. Like, hey, what are you going to do? Here's a here's a closing question. Do you think the de big D Democratic emphasis and focus on RussiaGate almost opened the door up for Trump to talk about rigging with the second election? Of course I fucking did, because, because it was all bullshit. what I'm saying is, if Rachel Maddow from day one shut the fuck up about Russia, do you think Trump would have has easily been like, look, folks, it was rigged last time for me. Now it's rigged against me. Like, the amount of evidence that they have managed to compile for Russiagate is pathetic. Like, I'm not saying there was nothing, but, like, there were more targeted not. ads everyone's in, like... Everyone's in like, everyone's like, DMs. Everyone's yeah, exactly. Like, I, yeah, there were more targeted ads in, like, Eastern Europe than there were in my My uh, point is this. United Do States. you think the getting America psychically prepared for everything is rigged uh, gave, oh, gave permission to the to the right wing to say, yeah, everything's rigged now by the Democrats? Yeah, because we have the, we have the Democratic Party reviving McCarthyism. 
when the Democratic Party becomes the McCarthyite Party, what can't the Republicans say? Like when when we we've essentially said the more reasonable, you know, when the more reasonable supposedly of the parties becomes an insane conspiratorial witch hunt of the left. For you know, Jill Stein is like secretly making out with Putin as they like plant nukes. Like this is this is like this is like canon film shit. Like 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 I'm I'm fully expecting uh you know uh a guy dual wielding machine guns to like blow away KGB agents as they storm uh New York City. Like that that is the kind of paranoid delusions that we have been living in for years. I mean, it's kind of died down since 2020, but like for pretty much the entirety of Trump. All the time that the Democrats wasted on, like, yes, Russia secretly engineered Trump, and not like hundreds of years of American xenophobia, racism, fucking over the poor, building up white supremacy, all these things. Like, none of that is what's important. It's Russia. Man, one, Russia did this. One day we got to talk about the conspiracy theory that uh, fifty thousand Chinese invaded uh, Chinese soldiers invaded America, and we somehow killed them all with a bunker buster. We got to talk about that conspiracy theory. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. it's just. When when MSNBC like, is waiting for us to be saved by Chuck Norris, I don't think there's any limits on what the right wing feels that they can get away with because they, they the shit they were saying was more right wing and insane than most of the things that the Bush administration was saying a decade earlier. So so when you've entered a, a, a sort of like a, a neo McCarthyism, and you're the more left wing party, everything is on the table, and reality becomes whatever you want to make it. Like you want to talk about manufacturing reality. Saying that the people who are 90% civilians are enemy combatants being killed, that's manufacturing reality. That's as fraudulent as saying that, you know, chloroclidoquine or whatever will fix your COVID. I, I, you almost get, you reverse it. Yeah, I don't give a shit. It's dyslexia at work, folks. <laughs> uh, you hate to see it. But, like, that's the same shit. It's just disinformation for the sake of political advantage. And the, and the Democrats do it just as much, but the Democrats say it more politely and they coax it in like more honeyed language. And they kind of, they say it in a way that sounds like they're making allusions to some sort of reality. And to me, that's why it's worse. Come on. It's less honest. Come on. Really? I mean, we evil just say it. it, it yeah. It, it's like, it's like, you know, we, we, we all accept the existence of the Patriot Act and it's, and the actions that stem from it, and we all joke about like an FBI agent being assigned to each of us, listening on our, on our inane conversations. Uh, yeah, but but to but to most people, that's just like a funny meme, even if they know in the back of their heads that there's some truth to it, like the, that it stems from something true. But yeah, when when it's another country doing something that probably doesn't even affect them and, and largely isn't true, then it's a catastrophe. One that if you're talking about the Middle East justifies killing so many innocent people it's it's just a yeah a, a complete a complete distortion of priorities and a a uh, manufactured dissonance that uh honestly our, our government relies upon to continue doing these kind of extrajudicial and it's violent so acts. simple and arguably like, they know. Uh, uh convictions they they know what they're doing is illegal. They know what they're doing is immoral. It's totally cynical. They're not in any way operating in good faith, and they're like, oh, we have to prosecute this person criminally. They're just exercising power. And to it's not people. even for like Donald um, Trump ran like take their oil reasons. It's just no for it's, evil. It's the just the operation of the state. It's just like to become the status quo. But to, to briefly return to something you mentioned Aiden, about this idea of like we're punishing the one person who still believes in America. Um, it's kind of incredible yeah. that like the the pushback to the madness of the last several years i don't know how far you want to go it's back like, why haven't you lost faith yet 
the pushback is everyone who still has faith is the danger. Like the Bernie type people who still think we can do like FDR level reforms are radical Marxists, apparently. Right? Like the, the, the people and will somehow who destroy wanted... the country that was saved using the same methods. Right. Like the people who want to do basic, like centrist restrictions on the absolute power of capital, who just want to kind of bring us back to the middle and make it so that this is a livable conditions for people who are otherwise coerced. That's considered like, this is madness. You know what like, it's like? That's, that's beyond the pale. You know what it's like? Um, it's like the people wearing disguises to go get their vaccines. Because yeah. the, the the average sentiment now is, oh, you're not blackpilled? Oh, you don't hate everything? Oh, you don't want to destroy the country? We feel shamed and ostracized and put into pressure that we feel ethical impulses. The, the when norm you, uh, is, no, fuck everything. Everything's fucked. We're all going to die. When you believe strongly enough in the mythology of the Amer of American goodness, that you put your life on the line to inform the American public, and you think that America could be made better by doing the kind of whistleblowing heroics that, yeah, as you say, like Deep Throat and the previous uh, whistleblowers of history have done, and then you get annihilated for it, it's really kind of setting a tone for what is still permissible, and it is grim acceptance. Yeah, it's, it's exactly... It's, it's exactly that. It's a transparent message that what we expect from you Compliant. is complacency. Even though, the, even though the rhetoric we love is that America is the bastion of innovators and adventurers, what we really want from you is to just accept what we shove down your throat. Consume product. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a, a grim reality, but I think it's important to think about and talk about like we have because... I think it's it, it's pretty apparent as we, as we just summarized that if you push back at all, even by standing by the values that America loves to spout, you you get punished you for it. You either die, either either die, or you end up with your life ruined. And that's that's no accident. Accident. I mean, and, and, uh, and to briefly return to the idea of uh, you need to have the most uh, sort of desperation porn to get saved. I think the only. Uh, thing that saved reality winner was her name from from like a similar event like like the fact that she was female and the fact that she had a ridiculous name and the, like this is someone else who was brutally well, that's savagely also like punished. there's a culture war aspect of her too because um, she's like a modern day right snowflake lib bullshit like like 90 percent of the coverage of her was like haha reality winner more like but reality like, loser right but it's like this woman did the exact same thing like she tried to reveal classified information that was showing illegal and unethical acts the united states was doing and she went to jail. And now, I mean, it's really sad. Like, there's, there's an article I read about her where she's basically sitting in, like, she's confined to her house now, even after leaving yeah, prison for an even long... She's under an even more, like... Uh, yeah, but hey, arrest. no different than anyone else during COVID. And this is, like, a young woman... And, and, We're all and her house friend, Her friends are, like, bringing her sand from the beach in, like, a doggy bin so that she can put her feet in the sand and feel like she's going to the beach. Like, it's just... It's really sad. It's it's like so pathetic. Right, but that's unnecessary. It, I almost feel like it's just this is what we'll do to you. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it's I think they're even letting this get reported to the extent that they're letting this get reported because they don't want the next whistleblower to think they can go Alex, to the beach. It's why when you smash a bug in your room, you leave it there as a warning. Right. If another if another centipede comes in this house, they know what's up. Yeah. It, exactly. It's it's really sick. And it's, it's why it's, Vlad it's, the Impaler put people's heads on pikes. It's an active effort to say, not only is there no hope, but if you try to have hope, it'll be even worse for you than Grim Acceptance. 
yeah, and just to be clear, by by you know getting off easy, we're talking about I believe four years yeah. in prison, right? And who knows what horrible yeah. shit that will happen to him in prison? Look, he could go to prison. Yeah, this I mean, big problem in the UK. He could go to prison and become radicalized. He could become a racist in prison. He could become a terrorist oh, yeah. in prison. Like all sorts of horrible shit can happen to you in prison, especially. You know, or he prison. could get COVID okay. and die. Hey, he could be Joe Exotic. Or, you know. Or he could get murdered because it's really cool to kill people who are considered tra traitors. Like w w when you send people to a dysfunctional prison, prison system, right? Or you could get raped by prison guards. Like there's so many problems with the U.S. prison system that to send someone there for any period of time immediately assumes they're at risk of a million different infractions. Yeah, but maybe in, in the best case scenario, he'll become the shot caller just like he was in the military. He's like ordering hits on. People. Yeah, that's great. Let, let's send this guy who tried desperately to reform the system and his PTSD from murder. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and make him the next fucking Walter White. That'd be sick. Like he said, I'm the one who strikes. Like, no, I, I'm sorry. I'd rather <laughs> that not be the case. <laughs> All right. Well, folks, call your congressman. Uh, waste their time. Yeah. Uh, tell if, them, if, if, yeah. Tell them the. Try and write a bill getting rid of the Espionage Act or something. I don't know. Become a Russian spy. I don't care. Yeah, if you have a congressman who thinks that putting whistleblowers in jail is a good idea, go scream at them. <laughs> More realistically, find local organizations with missions that you oh, believe donate in. Donate money to get people on... Give, yeah. give too much money to some yeah. random bitch on the internet. <laughs> Google, yeah, Google GoFundMe's and then blast past yeah. their goals. Just because, basically, it's, you know it's really just? It's just like the straight-to-the-moon shit. It's just like, let's see how much we could get it to. Not let's help the yeah. most people. It's not utilitarianism. I'm in hands. Let's just yeah, end this whole woman's career. Uh... God. All right, well. well this, this was a, a bit grimmer than, than uh, we were, I think we were hoping to end on, but well, I don't well, know what else you was expected. Funny. Yeah, I don't know what else we expected with whistleblowers. So, um... <laughs> That's it for our show for uh, for this time, folks. Tune in uh, I next hope you time for the Apocalypse Bunker. Uh, I hope you had a blast. I know that some other people overseas did. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, look forward to weekly updates on those chipmunks. You'll be hearing from our FBI agents. We'll see you next time. Signing off. Bye. Adios. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. If you enjoy what we do here at the Non-Essential Workers Podcast and you want to support us, please check us out at patreon.com slash non-essentialworkerspodcast or by clicking the link below. For five bucks, you get access to the Patreon feed and twice, sorry, twice as many total episodes. How many more? I'll say it one more time for the back, twice. <laughs> Anyways, thanks and see you next time.